Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash thedebaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada. Our comedy is in mint condition. From the home of the National Mint, Ottawa, Ontario, it's the Debater! (laughs) The Debater's where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who's always on the money, Steve. Patterson. Hey! Thanks, Graham! Hello, Canada! Welcome back to the debaters. It is always great to be back here in our home away from home, Ottawa. Yep. (laughs) Recently, your Ottawa senators were purchased by a new owner, billionaire businessman Michael Andlauer. Yeah. He beat out another bidder, famed rapper and marijuana aficionado, Snoop Dogg. (laughs) True story. I mean, I wish them well, but it's too bad Snoop couldn't have bought the team. Or they could have bought it together. That would have been an amazing joint venture. (laughs) You know? Come to think of it, Snoop should buy two other Canadian teams and merge them together, the Leafs and the Flames. I like that one. All right. It's time now to turn things over to a couple of debaters who are ready to hash things out. So. (laughs) This comic can't remember running in the Boston Marathon even when you jog his memory. It's Chatham, Ontario's Ron Sparks. Come on out, Ron. There he is, one of our favorites. He is wearing a construction helmet. He's really exploring the stage space. (laughs) And this comic shouts for joy when he needs more dish detergent. It's Toronto's Leonard Chan. Come on out, Leonard. There's Leonard. Welcome back, sir. Leonard taking his place behind the podium to my right. Hello, Steve. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Ron, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Your debate is one that will keep us on track. High-speed rail. (laughs) Does Canada need it? Oh my God, the audience gets why we're doing this. (laughs) So nice to be here in Ottawa. There's been a lot of talk over the years about this subject, including back in 2014, when then Ontario Minister of Transportation, Glenn Murray, announced that a high-speed rail line would be constructed between London, Kitchener, and Toronto within 10 years. And I think we can all agree, politicians are known for keeping their word (laughs) and working at high speeds. (laughs) So I'm looking very forward to that train being unveiled right on time. 
And if it isn't, we'll get a higher speed walk back than Doug Ford and his green belt development plan. Am I right? All right. Now, it's time for a debate that'll tickle your caboose. So, whereas it would provide Canadians with a new and exciting way to travel that's safer, more convenient, and better for the environment, be it resolved, Canada needs a high speed rail. Ron, you are arguing for this, please. You have two minutes. Starting now, Ron Sparks. No country is more in need of high-speed rail than Canada, and we are decades behind. Every other G7 nation already has it. Even England, a country so small, you could cross it in a golf cart without recharging its battery. <laughs> to cross England in a train, you don't need high-speed rail. You don't even need the train to move. <laughs> Just get on at the front, walk to the back, <laughs> Then disembark, because you're there. <laughs> we are the biggest nation on Earth without high-speed rail because Russia has it. We're losing to Russia. The only things Russia should be beating us at are vodka consumption, track pants sales, <laughs> and number of times they've sold Alaska. And I'm happy to point out we are right behind them in all of those categories. <laughs> Train travel is cheaper and nine times better for the environment than flying. The only reason people aren't choo-choo choosing it <laughs> is that it's so slow. A coast-to-coast -coast via rail trip takes a week, and the part where you go through Saskatchewan feels like two. <laughs> High-speed rail could do that trip in one day. And you'd still see all the real Canadian towns' planes just fly right over. Take a deep breath as you pass Stoner, B.C., and you might see a Vulcan in Alberta. In Saskatchewan, you'll see Big Beaver and Climax. You can flip the bird in Finger Manitoba. Then open your private window as you cross Ontario and smell the air all the way from Crotch Lake to Balls Falls. <laughs> Where hopefully it's not too humid. <laughs> we need high-speed rail and we need it now. Thank you. Goodness! Wow! Thanks, Ron. Now, here to let off some steam and rail against high-speed rail, let's welcome Leonard Chan. Uh, so I want to start, firstly, as an Asian, I have a few opinions about railroads. <laughs> So the debate is if we need high-speed rail. Listen, do we need it? No. Do we want it? Sure. Look, I want a Porsche. I need my Hyundai. <laughs> I can't afford a Porsche, and we can't afford high-speed rail. All right? Like, I am from Toronto, where a Crosstown subway is 50 years late and a billion dollars over budget. I really don't think we should be trying to tackle high-speed rail when we haven't even figured out low-speed rail. <laughs> 
Like, with our track record, we have a lower chance of getting high-speed rail that's on time and on budget than we have creating a system of transportation based on flying pigs. <laughs> Speaking of which, we already have Air Canada. <laughs> the money that we'd be pouring into high-speed rail could be much better spent on programs to help with the mental health issues caused by the transportation we already have. But at least air travel doesn't cut off wildlife migration routes the way high-speed rail would, and if you hit a moose at these speeds, you might actually anger the moose. <laughs> and to build high-speed rail, we would have to go through indigenous territory, which I know historically hasn't been done with consultation, but since we insist on acknowledging that we're on their land, it would be nice if we meant it. <laughs> And yes, I've heard the argument that high-speed rail could connect Canadian cities to more populous American cities, but do we really want to bring Americans up here faster? <laughs> high-speed rail is like a 21-year-old mistress. Shiny, new, fun to have, but will cost you way more than it's worth. Thank you. <laughs> Leonard Chan with a great argument, great arguments against high-speed rail. And I gotta say, the crowd was very excited for Ron and is equally excited for Leonard. You've supported both sides of this argument. Not sure how you've done that, Ottawa. <laughs> All right, debaters. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether Canada needs a high-speed rail. So, at this junction, there it is. <laughs> you might need some kind of locomotive to express all your bullet points. <laughs> leaving your opponent steaming and in need of a caboose. <laughs> all aboard, starting now. I'm glad you mentioned uh, planes, Leonard, because uh, high-speed rail is much safer than flying. Hundreds of Canadian air passengers die every year. Most of them starve. <laughs> While simply waiting for permission to board the plane. High-speed trains don't delay, they don't cancel. They're basically weatherproof. Trains never need to de-ice. That only happens on stupid inferior rail systems run by complete idiots like Ottawa's LRT. Oh, wow. My goodness. It's, not, it's hard to beat a local reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, slower trains, I think, I think slower trains are good. You know, like that's how they move people into small towns, how people see that. If, like, if we just have high-speed rail, we, we'll be shuttling minorities from one urban center to another. And how else will people in small towns learn about us? <laughs> good. That's a good point, but you gotta think of the positives. Like, think of the excitement those passengers are gonna have, Leonard. High-speed rail is so much fun. Didn't you see the blockbuster Brad Pitt movie, Bullet Train? <laughs> it thrilled millions. 
how many people would line up to see a movie called Regular Speed Train? <laughs> or its low-budget Canadian sequel, Via Rail Train, colon, Expect Delays? <laughs> no one. All right, that's the bare knuckle round, everybody. Time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on high-speed rail brought to you by the only high-speed train fueled entirely by caffeine, the Orient Espresso. <laughs> you want to say something about that, Leonard? Because I'm pretty sure I can't. <laughs> the trains. <laughs> According to BrainyQuote.com, Texas Governor Greg Abbott believes that Americans are ready for high-speed rail and ready for what else? Leonard? I'm going to say a female president. <laughs> but only if it's a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> you hit and ruined it. Ron? Texas, like the rest of the world, is ready for bullet train two. Surprisingly, a lot of support for that here. Greg Abbott says that Americans are ready for high-speed rail and livable communities. Rock of horse pucky. Completed in 1964, the world's first high-speed train connected Tokyo and Osaka in Japan and is known in English by what nickname? Ron. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know its Japanese name is Tokaido Shinkansen. Um, now, forgive me, Steve, my Japanese is a little rusty. But I think Tokaido roughly translates as train. And uh, Shinkansen, uh, however, I uh, actually have no idea what that means. But if we put those together, I can say with reasonable certainty it means something train. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I hope that helps. But what we need is express answers on this. <laughs> Leonard Chan. Uh, I believe the answer is a Pikachu Choo Train. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. The actual answer is the Bullet Train. Bullet Train is the one that connects Tokyo to Osaka. Oh, like the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. You referenced it. Bullet Train. The end of the line is just the beginning. The world record for the fastest high-speed train is currently held by the Shanghai Trans Rapid, which achieved a staggering 501 kilometers an hour using what technology? Leonard Chan. I want to say cats. <laughs> Is that what you want to say? Yeah, final answer, cats. Get hyper cats? Incorrect. Ron Sparks? Cat a pulse. <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh, I mean, I see your way of thinking there. That was, <laughs> got a little glimpse inside the mind. It uses electromagnetic force to levitate above the track, eliminating friction. I have a lot of favorite sounds, but someone going, woo, was one of my favorites. <laughs> that is the firing line, everybody. We are debating whether Canada needs high-speed rail on the debaters on CBC, right here at the beautiful Centerpoint Theatre in Ottawa, and it's almost time for the audience to vote. But first, here again to tell us why Canada's runaway plans for high-speed rail need to be derailed, let's hear again for one quick minute from Leonard Chan. So these days, it feels like everything needs to be faster. But we need to slow down and ask ourselves why. Why are we in such a big rush to get to Windsor? <laughs> There's so much to see in this vast, beautiful country of ours, Rocky Mountains, Rolling prairies, a statue of a giant pierogi, <laughs> that one tree in Saskatchewan, <laughs> the Big Apple, not the disgusting one in New York State, the awesome one in Colburn, Ontario. <laughs> so let's just take a breath and enjoy ourselves because it's not the destination, it's the journey, especially when it comes to Windsor. <laughs> Thank you. Leonard Chan making his case against high-speed rail. And uh, to our Windsor listeners, I didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> Thanks, Leonard. Now, here again on why he insists that Canada should fast-track high-speed rail plans, let's hear again from one of our quickest-minded debaters, Ron Sparks. <laughs> Thank you. We need to start thinking about the people who need to get from Windsor. <laughs> and think of commerce, Leonard. Products could ship across Canada in hours, not days. Why settle for Nanaimo bars made in a factory in Hull? when we could ship them from actual Nanaimo, still hot from the oven. <laughs> if you ever had a tuna melt at the truck stop in Flint Flon, you know that fish needs to get there faster. <laughs> and it can with our new high-speed rail food delivery app, Choo Choo Chuber Eats. Don't listen to naysayers who claim this project is too big. Experts say we can have high-speed rail lines built in just two years. Do you realize what that means, Steve? It means we could have high-speed rail across Canada 17 years before Ottawa's LRT is done. <laughs> It seems impossible to build high-speed rail, but we just need to keep telling ourselves, I think I can, 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 I think I can! Come on, Sparks! On behalf 
of high-speed rail, there was a lot of sucking up going on there. <laughs> but he hit all the right notes. Let's see what the audience has decided by applause. How many of you agreed with Leonard that when it comes to Canada's rail system, the words high and speed are not a good coupling? Leonard Chan. <laughs> nice support. Nice support for Leonard. And how many of you stood next to Ron on his high-speed train platform, Ron Sparks? <laughs> All right. All right, Ottawa. I've got to give this one to Ron Sparks. Bring on the high-speed rail, everybody. Big hand for Ron Sparks and the one and only Leonard Chan, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. When slayed creatures return to the land of the living, it's up to a band of unlikely heroes to re-slay them. Welcome to the Re-Slayer's Take. From the fantasy world of Critical Role, join Jasmine Bular, Jasmine Chung, Jasper Cartwright, and Caroline Lux alongside us, Game Masters Nick Williams and George Primavera, in a tabletop role-playing audio adventure using Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Adventure awaits in the Re-Slayer's Take. New episodes drop weekly on Mondays wherever you stream your podcasts. Hey Ottawa, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? <laughs> This comic talks about gardening, but doesn't get into the weeds about it. It's Toronto's Hodo Hersey. Hello, coming to the stage, taking her place behind the podium to my left. Hi, Steve. And this comic loves dogs and always donates to Doctors Without Border Collies. It's Deborah Kimmett. Deborah Kimmett, one of our favorites to have back on the show. Welcome back, Deb. Hi. Debaters, your topic is one that will create a rivalry between you two. The favorite child. Is it okay to have one? <laughs> My favorite famous siblings are Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia from Star Wars. Darth Vader's kids. <laughs> I don't think either of them were Darth Vader's favorite, though, because he did blow up daughter Leia's home planet and chopped off son Luke's hand. Yet on Father's Day, they'd still bring him a card that said to the best dad in the galaxy. <laughs> Followed by breakfast in bed with coffee, toast, and eggs served dark side up. <laughs> now for a debate that will be a real star war of words. So, whereas it's only natural for emotional bonds to vary in strength and intensity, be it resolved, it's okay for families to have a favorite child. Hodo, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now, Hodo Hersey. People will often ask me, what's it like being a black Muslim woman in comedy? They'll say, Hodo, where do you get your confidence from? And the answer to this silly question is very simple. My dad. I am my father's favorite child. <laughs> I know, I can feel some ignored middle children energy from the crowd, I get it. I hear you, I get it, okay. But after seeing me perform for the very first time, my dad told me, Hodo, I have no doubt that you'll make it in comedy. You are so smart, so funny. You're gonna be so successful. You're gonna be a multimillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> 
and this is what I've learned being the favorite child. I'll never know what it's like to be white, but I feel like being white and being the favorite child are almost the same thing. Like, <laughs> it's like you're having fun while everyone else is mad at you, you know? <laughs> ask me about discrimination, I say, my father's favoritism makes up for racism, okay? <laughs> I had a friend once tell me, you walk around like a rich white lady. <laughs> Honey, that's F-C-E, favorite child energy. Now, I'm not saying you should make your favoritism known and tell your other children, okay? You can always do it in secret, like my dad. My father once told me, Holdo, you're better than a son. <laughs> he has a son, that's why. <laughs> While this is an insane thing to say, it gave me the biggest boost of confidence, no amount of makeup or plastic surgery could ever give me. You understand? Okay, because I was chosen. Thank you. Yeah! Hodo Hersey, on behalf of favorite children everywhere. Your dad will be very proud when he hears this, and your brother is gonna be pissed. <laughs> Thanks, Hodo. Now, here to tell us that if you insist on having a favorite child, then their siblings are essentially children of the scorn, let's hear from Deb Kimmett. I have two kids, and I do not favor one over the other. They both bug me equally. <laughs> sure, there are times when you want to, you know, like one more than the other, but you do what you do with every feeling you have as a parent. You stuff that feeling down. <laughs> you want a good night's sleep? Push it down. <laughs> you want mommy-daddy time? Down, down, down. <laughs> because that's what parenting is. A 50-year practice of never feeling your own feelings. <laughs> Having a family is like running a prison. <laughs> You're the guard, the kids are the inmates, and they're always watching you to make sure you're fair to all the other inmates. Case in point, we had six kids, and I don't know if you remember the can of fruit cocktail they used to have, and they used to have that one cherry on top. <laughs> And one day, my mother gave her favorite the cherry. We filed that away for three, four years. And then we waited for my mother to go to town, and we put my sister in the dryer. And 40 years later, she still leans to the left. So if you're tempted to like one child over the other, you ignore it. 
and you ignore them. <laughs> In fact, screw with the favored child and treat them worse than all the other ones. It confuses them and it keeps them hungry. Thank you. Deb Kimmett. Deb Kimmett says, do not have a favorite child. Uh, and that was a nice shout out to her sister, I guess. <laughs> it's time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether having a favorite child is fun for the whole family. So use the jokes that you think will be the most loved by the audience. Laughs will depend on the order in which you birth these jokes during this mother of all debates. <laughs> so grab the audience's attention and make your parents proud, starting now. I just wonder if you really think it's, you know, unfair how your brother was actually treated by your dad. Listen, boys, boys don't need more love. <laughs> They need to be humbled, no offense, okay? They're gonna benefit from the wage gap and their mother's love? Yuck, we're spoiling them. What are we doing right now? Well, I did not have my mother's love. In fact, my mother hated me. And uh, when she came to my first show, she went, get off the stage! Uh, her hating me motivated me. It motivated me to never let the world ever knock me off my perch. And when I suffered sexism and then got older and suffered ageism, I, that's because my mother helped me with that. <laughs> Deborah, this is not a battle you're gonna win. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> On top of sexism, honey, I deal with racism and Islamophobia, you understand? Uh, we're giving you a 13-letter word, okay? <laughs> Checkmate, honey, okay? Okay, you win on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just a Catholic who didn't go to Mass, but anyway, that's... <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Listen, moms are mean to their daughters. And to make up for that, dads are terrible to their sons. That's called feminism. <laughs> okay. That's the bare knuckle round, everybody. <laughs> it's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on the favorite child brought to you by the favorite child of every Michelin star chef, Julia Child. <laughs> According to a 2019 New York Post article, experts say having a favorite child is normal, but what's not healthy is to what? Hodo? Pay for their wedding. <laughs> Interesting. Give a point for that. Deborah? Kiss them on the lips. <laughs> yeah. Two points for that one. It's not healthy to share that information with others. <laughs> Research finds that favoritism towards young children is shown through giving more attention, but how do parents show favoritism to adult children? Deb? Breastfeed their grandchildren. <laughs> That's four points. Some people <laughs> listening to this in their cars are definitely going to drive off the road. 
photo? Pay off your divorce. <laughs> Again, there's some truth, because it's through unequal financial support. So you're sort of right. <laughs> One official point. On the Mamaverse.com's list of ways for parents to avoid showing favoritism, what is the number one piece of advice? Hodo? Gaslight your other kids. <laughs> Give a point it's for that. get Botox so smiles and disappointment look the same. <laughs> I like it. The Ottawa crowd is given three points. The answer we were looking for was uh, never compare the children to each other or pretend not to like either of them. <laughs> Way to go, everybody. That's the firing line. It is almost time for our Centerpoint Theater audience to pick a winner. But first, here again to tell us why she's the odds-on favorite for not having a favorite. Let's hear again from Deb Kimmett. There's only one good reason you shouldn't have a favorite. What if you favor one kid and then they turn out to be the loser in the family? <laughs> You've wasted a lot of time putting all your eggs in one basket. And then what if the one you didn't like is the favorite of your ex? <laughs> and then the ex is 10 years older, so he uses up all their resources and you'll be stuck old and alone in a basement apartment with a light bulb hanging down, eating beef jerky from a bag. Oh my gosh, what was I saying? <laughs> Having a favorite child is a waste of time. It is smarter and much more efficient to becoming the favorite parent. Thank you. Dad Kimmett, words of wisdom. For all the parents out there, thank you, Deb. Now, here to tell us how, just like in horse racing, parents hoping to bet on a winner need to pick a favorite. Let's hear again from Hodo Hersey. In psychology, there's something called cross-generational bonding, okay? And this is when parents who aren't getting their needs met from their spouse will subconsciously seek that out from the child of the opposite gender, which is why you see dads favoring daughters and moms favoring sons who live in the basement. <laughs> Not being the favorite child makes you work harder, okay? I mean, look at Beyonce. She wasn't the favorite in her family, and now she's an icon, legend, has 32 Grammys, the most out of anyone in history. <laughs> Two claps for Beyonce. There we go. There we go. And if we didn't have favorite children, we wouldn't have Beyonce. <laughs> so is that a world you really want to live in? <laughs> also, if you guys don't vote for me, it doesn't matter. CBC already paid me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, Hersey. Telling it like it is. All right. Audience, it is up to you to pick a winner, or in this case, I guess, a favorite. <laughs> Who agreed that Hodo presented this evening's most intelligent, cohesive, gifted, bright, and smart argument, Hodo Hersey? <laughs> a lot of love. A lot of love for Hodo. He's riling them up. 
And who found it impossible to ignore, overlook, or disregard Deb's favorite child chitty chat, Deb Kibbett. It's very close. It's very close. But the audience has chosen a favorite, and she is 1-0. It's Hodo Hersey. Favorite children okay. Big hand for Hodo Hersey and Deb Kibbett, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying to my daughters, Scarlett and Nora, Daddy loves you both equally, but there's still time for one of you to gain the advantage. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Nicole Callender, Chloe Edbrook, Dean Jenkinson, and Graham Clark. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Conrad Hajazi. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Meridian Theatres in Ottawa. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.